It is good to see you tonight. You know, our, our desire is that the classes that we offer on Wednesday night will really build us in faith and build a foundation in us in faith so that we will be a, a mature, healthy people, not shaken by the doctrines of the day or the teaching of the day, but able to, to think our way through things in a biblical way. And uh, we're really excited uh, about the classes that we're offering right now. We hope it makes it hard for people to choose where to go, which class to go to. And uh, we're looking at the fall and some of the things that are going to be happening with us this year. Some of you will remember, remember Rick McHugh, who was here uh, a, a year ago in October and did uh, a session on Sunday morning on apologetics and, and how to think as a Christian, and he was with us for a day. He's going to be back with us this fall, and then he's going to spend six Wednesday nights with us uh, going even deeper into that subject and, and being a blessing to us. So we've got a lot of really exciting things coming up that we think will build a strong foundation. We hope our church as a whole will really uh, take advantage of these things. I want to tell you that one of the things, before I dive into the Word tonight, one of the things in the last year that has really uh, surprised me is how unaware uh, some people are of our times. We need to be a people who are aware of our times. We need to understand uh, what's going on. And, and as you see the battles that are, and the battle lines that are being drawn, you need to be able to talk about those. And now I would, I would warn us, I don't think we need to uh, dive in and argue about who we should or shouldn't vote for, uh, but I do think we should talk about principles and truth and what we should stand for. Principles and truth are the issue. Uh, American freedom... Uh, our, our American freedom around religious freedom was really in jeopardy this year. It's been really in jeopardy the last number of years. I mean, you understand there are states that have passed laws making it illegal for a counselor, a Christian counselor who's licensed to counsel something, a person, away from uh, gender confusion. If the person is confused about their gender, instead of telling them the biblical truth and helping them overcome it, by law they are supposed to support them and tell them that they need to think, that they're okay to think the way their, their whims are leading them. Uh, this is a real attack on our freedoms. Uh, in, in California this year, they were close to passing laws that would forbid Christian universities and Christian organizations from being discriminatory in their hiring. Now, we don't want to be discriminatory around line. A Christian doesn't want to be that way around lines of race. But uh, when they say that you cannot be that way around lines of beliefs or around lines of sexuality, you are now robbing Christianity of what it is. When, you, when they look and they say, you must hire homosexual professors and you must let them teach what they want to teach. You are undermining, it's no longer a Christian university. It's something less than that. And we were within a hair's breadth of that becoming law uh, in, in one of our major states this year. Uh, there are things that are going on that the, the, the church world needs to be aware of. And this is why I say to you that 
uh, I think in our day and age, this isn't, this isn't true all of the time. It hasn't been true all throughout American history. But I think it's primarily true uh, in our day and age that the prime issue when we think about our leaders has to be centered around who they're going to appoint as judges. Uh, it's, it's just got to be around that prime issue. Otherwise, our freedoms will be taken from us. Now, uh, you can be mad at me over that. I'm just telling you what I think as a pastor, what I think is the prime issue facing our country today. And, uh, and, and I, I would just challenge you, if you're not paying attention to the news if you're not reading about, you know, some Christian, you know, solid Christian organizations that communicate what's going on and aren't just radically, you know, I, I don't like any organization that doesn't tell the truth. But you, so you've got to have, be careful even about, about organizations that are on a conservative side that some of them stretch the truth. And once I find an organization that does that, I'm done with them. Uh, we need organizations that tell us just the truth. But we need to be aware of what's going on. We need to be aware of what's happening. And uh, we need to be praying uh, for America. And, and thankfully, I think we have a reprieve right now in who's being placed on our courts. And you've got to realize, when you talk about federal courts, you're not just talking about Supreme Court justices. You're talking about appellate judges. You're talking about federal judges all throughout our nation. And all of that matters. All of it matters as far as how they're going to interpret law that, keep, that protects our freedoms. And so uh, there's my word to make you angry tonight. And hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully you will uh, pray your way through that. And uh, and think about it. You love the Lord tonight? Amen. Let's stand together and let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, starting at verse 6. The reason we're looking at this passage is because we want to be a biblically Pentecostal, a biblically Spirit-filled, a biblically Spirit-led church. And to do that, we have to set our traditions aside and look at what the Bible says. Our, our traditions are not our standard for faith and conduct. Whatever side of the tradition are is that you may be on this issue, on the issues of spiritual gifts. And you need to look and say, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? And the tendency, again, on both sides of the issues of spiritual gifts and spiritual gifting is for people to ignore certain Scriptures and grab a hold of other ones. And you've got to look at the entirety of Scripture, especially if you look at 1 Corinthians 14. It's going to rock your world if you're on either extreme of the issue. So let's, let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, uh, starting at verse 6. We talked about the other verses a few, uh, a few weeks ago. Now, brothers, if I come to you, Paul is saying, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you? unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching. If even lifeless instruments, such as a flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves. If with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible... How will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world. None is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, 
my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will praise with my sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the, the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in the church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Father, we thank you for your word, and, and we pray you let your word strike right to the core of our beliefs. Let it, let it build a foundation of truth in us. Father, on, on whatever side of this issue of spiritual giftings and praying in tongues and speaking in tongues a person may be, let us come back to see what your word says. How does your word instruct us? So guide us in this tonight and direct us in this tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Say hello to a bunch of people around you, and then you can be seated. You can be praying for me. I'm really feeling sorry for myself tonight. Yeah, I know it's pitiful. See, I, 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 didn't, I didn't eat much all day, so I got to have two hot dogs tonight. I got here. I got the first one. I waited for my mom and my wife to get here so I could have the second one. And when I went to get my second one, my wife told me they're running out of hot dogs. You can't have another one. So I've been pouting for the last half hour. I'm going to try to get over it for the next few minutes. <laughs> Hot dogs were good, weren't they? They did a good job. Let me, let me just review. We, we, we've been a couple of weeks off, so let me review. We started about two months ago and started working our way through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. This, this foundational scripture about spiritual gifts and their role in our life, and this role of spiritual gifts in the church. What we started off with is that we are not to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. God wants us to think about this. He wants us to study it. He wants our minds to be aware of how spiritual gifts work and their biblical role in our life. We've looked and we've discovered and we've read again that we all have a spiritual gift. If you're born again, God has given you a spiritual gift. You probably have numerous spiritual gifts that maybe you're using and you don't understand it, or maybe you just don't know, you just haven't started to use them yet. And one of the ways we help bring these to the surface and, and discover them is as you go through starting point. One of the weeks talks about spiritual gifting and helps you answer, help you answer some questions. It'll help us start kind of helping you lean towards where spirit, the spiritual gifting applies in your life. Number three, the church as a whole is stronger and unique when we use our spiritual gifts. When spiritual gifts are functioning freely in the church. People are freely using them, understanding them, and using them biblically. The church becomes a stronger place and becomes a very unique place from anything else because the spiritual gifts, it's, it's not a club. It's, it's the life of God is in it. It's a unique thing. Now, number four, 
spiritual gifts are not to be used solely in church services. That's one of the big places where I think people get, get confused is they think, oh, you know, are the spiritual gifts flowing in our church service? Well, if there's teaching going on, then yes, there are spiritual gifts being used. A lot, of, a lot of different ways that spiritual gifts get used inside the church service, but it's not supposed to be solely in the church service. Our gifting goes with us wherever we go. We don't leave our gifts at the door of the church when we leave. We want to be a spiritual people and a spirit-led people. Number five, there are gifts, spiritual gifts, that just some people have. Paul identifies several of these at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, that some people have these, other people don't. Number six, there are spiritual gifts that are available to all of us. That Paul says, I want all of you to do this. I want all of you to have this. I want this to be alive in all of you. Number seven, the Spirit, Holy Spirit, determines who gets what gifts. Pastors don't determine it. You can't determine it yourself. A friend can't determine it. An evangelist can't determine it. The Spirit determines what gifts you have. Number eight, the foundation of all relationships in the church is supposed to be love. Remember, agape, a desire for the best for others. Selfishness is out. Self-seeking is out. Trying to glorify self is out. Trying to get power for self is out. All of that stuff gets, gets, gets kicked out. It all has to be kicked out for the church to have a healthy core of people. Now listen, if the church is doing right, there'll always be new people coming in that have all the attachments to the world on them, and it's up to the growing core of believers to sharpen them, to help them, to help them grow, to help them to lay those things aside, to talk to them, and to make the church healthy. But at the core of the church, it's got to be a core of people, starting with the pastor, who sits there and goes, all I want is what's best for everybody in this church. All I want is what God has for everybody in this church. So it's got to be at the core of it. It's not about getting position or power for ourselves. You get two pastors on a staff, and I've seen this happen in churches where both of them begin to vie to be the most popular or the most powerful in the church or the most influential. And it's just the devil. It's destructive. And nine times out of ten, one of them ends up paying a pretty heavy price for it. There are two uses of the gift of tongues. And, and this is really key to understand if we're going to understand 1 Corinthians 14. If you don't understand this about what Paul's talking about, then the logic of 1 Corinthians 14 crumbles on itself. Because he seems to say one thing one place and something else someplace else. We'll talk more about that next week. But first of all, there's the personal prayer life that edifies the believer. This is what Paul says he wants all of us to have. There's a personal, spirit-led prayer life that he wants everybody to experience and everybody to have. B, there's the prophetic word that must be interpreted to build up the church. It's much like prophecy, except it comes with an utterance before it for whatever reason God has decided. And then, but there must be in the church an interpretation of that word. Or, as we'll read in the next couple of weeks, God says, don't do it. Don't do it unless there's an interpreter there. Number 10. The Spirit wants all of us to have the gift of a prayer language. Again, we just talked about that. Number 11, the Spirit wants us all to be used in prophecy to build others up. Now, this is not uh, the gift of prophecy in the, in, in, the, in the meaning of speaking in a tongue and somebody interpreting it. This is just simply the gift of a prophetic God-ordered word that you share, that the person understands, that flows from, 
from you to them. And this was the one that, that Paul keeps pointing to and saying, that's the one to long for. That's the one to really long for. Now, there are two opposing views of tongues in the church world today that at extremes say this. One extreme says this. Tongues is for a past time. It happened in the days of the apostles. I was reading a book they're talking about that this week. Happened in the days of the apostles, but at the end of the apostolic age, and when the written word of God came, we didn't need tongues anymore, and so it was done away with. It's no more. Now, you have to jump over a lot of Scripture to get there. You have to ignore a lot of Scripture and dismiss a lot of Scripture and say, well, God put that in for the early church, but not for us to get there. B, tongues is a dominant gift and should be sought in all church services. Now, if you get to really down to main core, hardline Pentecostal churches, if there wasn't a message in tongues, they didn't really have church. It just didn't, it didn't happen. It didn't matter how good the teaching was, how good the worship was, how good other prophetic words may have been, how good anything else happened, no matter what people got healed, if there wasn't a message in tongues, somebody was not in order tonight. Somebody missed it. Now, again, to get there, you've got to jump over a lot of Scripture. You've got to jump over a bunch of the Scripture we just read to get to that determination. And so both of those extremes... People stare across at each other almost, not just almost, angrily at some points in time. Uh, there's, you know, one guy, pretty popular, pretty well-known guy. I read a lot of his stuff. He's, he's really very, very good in a lot of things. Uh, but he, he, has some, he, he, he has some really, his views on tongues, he just says anybody who speaks in tongues is demon-possessed. Now, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. Paul has just stated that he wants us all to speak in tongues. He wants all of us to do this. Why? Say it out loud. It edifies us. It builds us up. When we pray in the Spirit, one of the things that happens when we pray as the Spirit prays through us, as the Spirit informs our prayer and leads our prayer, and as we are yielded to the Spirit and the Spirit prays through us, is it does a, He does a work in us. And we get stronger, healthier. Uh, we get uh, less tempted. A lot of great things happen in our life when we pray in the Spirit. And so he says, listen, this is good. You should have this. You should want this. You should desire this. I wish all of you had it. Now, we sit and we say Paul says that, but who's really saying it? It's God's Word, right? God's saying it. The Holy Spirit's saying it. It's not, we say, oh, Paul said this and Paul said that. Well, really, we believe the written Word is the inspired Word of God, that he just used Paul to say his words. It's really the Holy Spirit that said it to us. So God's saying to us, I, I wish all of you would do this. Now, he doesn't wish all of us would do it and not empower us to do it. He doesn't say, I wish all of you would do it, but, but you, 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 and you. No, that's not how he feels at all. He wants us to have this gift. Paul then says that even more he wants us to prophesy. Prophesy. Why? It builds a church up. It builds a church up. It strengthens the body of Christ. Tongues are God-inspired utterances that flow through our spirit in the direct will of God so that as we pray, when we are praying in the spirit, we are being led in the Spirit. We are as close to the Spirit as we're going to get on this earth. The, the Spirit is moving in us and doing a work in us. If we are given a, 
a prophetic word that is to go out to believers or to others, then again, that word flows through us and through our spirit. Prophecies, we're talking about prophecy in this scripture, are God-inspired words that flow through us to build others up. They are words that he very clearly says have to be understood. People have to, they have to, when you hear them, you know them. And what are they for? They are to encourage, they are to strengthen, and they are to comfort. So, you know somebody going through a hard time, and God lays their name on your heart, and as you pray for them, He gives you something to say to them, and you call them, and you share it with them, and God encourages them. Sometimes, sometimes God may lead you to call somebody. You don't even know what they're going through. You just, you just say, hey, I just thought I should call you and just tell you I love you, care about you. God's, you know, God's been laying you on my heart. And I just wanted to call and bless you today. You don't even know what they're going through. Months later, they may come around and say, you know that day you called me? And you're like, boy, that, that meant a lot. That, I can't tell you how much that meant to me. Why? Because God knew. And God inspired you to call them or to encourage them or to give them some strength. Now, after Paul says all this, he drives the point home. 1 Corinthians 14, 6. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Paul's main emphasis in this next passage goes to the practical good of the gift. The practical good of the gift. It's not about glorifying ourselves. It's not about us taking a spiritual position of authority or power. It is all about the glorification of God in their life and building them up in Christ. The prayer language says here, the prayer language of tongues does not benefit those who hear it. Just the person of prayer. Now, if I come in here and, and there's a bunch of people in here that are Christians and I understand this gift and they're praying in the Spirit, uh, that may just bless me to hear it, but it doesn't, it doesn't do uh, a work in my life other than just blessing me to hear it. Do you understand that? Do you get that? He then emphasizes the gifts that build up the body with clearly, uh, that, that start with clearly understandable words that are filled with, what does he say? Revelation. It's revealing things. It's bringing maybe revelation of the Word. Maybe revelation for a set of circumstances in somebody's life. Maybe revelation of sin. Brings revelation, clarity. And all of a sudden, have you ever had a, a moment of revelation with God when you suddenly realized, my attitude is wrong? Thought I was right, I'm wrong. Revelation, that revelation that brings us into a new knowledge, something that we need to know, we need to understand. Prophecy, this encouraging, strengthening word. Teaching that helps us know what we should do on an ongoing basis in our life so that we can grow in God and move in God and be His. Now, with that, he uses some illustrations to teach us. He talks about instruments. He says they need to, need to have distinct notes so we can know what is being played and, and, impact, and be impacted by it. If you've been around some kid who picks up a trumpet or jumps on the drum set or starts pounding on the piano and they don't know how to play any of them, how long do you enjoy that? Not very long, do you? No, but if some, some young kid sits down at the piano and they start playing something and it's beautiful, you enjoy that. 
It's good. You know, in this day and age, a trumpet had to make a distinct sound. A trumpet was used to awaken people, to warn people, to instruct people, to tell an army what to do. He said, now, if it blows an uncertain sound, they don't know what to do. A clear word gives us direction on what to do, what to do in our life. And he says the same is true with language, whether it is a spiritual language or an earthly one, if it is spoken and no one can understand it, then it's fruitless. It's fruitless. It's any good. Doesn't do anything for anybody. You know, you have a speaker from another country, and they come in here, and we invite somebody over, and you know, we bring a missionary here, and they bring somebody from their country, and we put them up here, and they preach for 45 minutes. And we all sit here, and there's no interpreter of what they're saying, and they're just going off in their language. You know what? We're going to walk in. That guy just babbled on and on and on. Now, he may have given us the most godly spiritual word that had ever been preached from this platform, but none of us know it. None of us know it. None of us are going out going, praise God, wasn't that great? We're all going out going, man, why did the pastor let that guy get up and talk for 45 minutes? What is that all about? That's crazy. That's insane. And he may not have been insane. He may have been brilliant. He may have been brilliant. But it doesn't make any sense to us. This is what Paul's talking about. We're lost in this. We're completely unfounded in it. So now remember, the Corinthian church was hungry for spiritual gifts. They had abused them and, and set them up in a way to determine who was the most spiritual. I mean, the really spiritual people speak in tongues in the church service. The really spiritual ones. You know, if you're really spiritual, if you're really close to God, you're going to speak in tongues in a church service. That's what was going on in Corinth. There was no interpretation or little interpretation going on. It was just out of control. Communion was out of control. Factions were all set up. People were trying to build up and glorify and edify themselves. It was all about themselves, and Paul was going after it in 1 Corinthians. He was trying to build a healthy church. He says, now, seeing that you are hungry for spiritual gifts... Instead of doing this nonsense, he's saying, excel in the ones that build up the church. Long for the ones that build up the church. So now, most of this, this gift of prophecy where God speaks to you and you have an encouraging word for others and, you know, and God leads you in, he goes, now that's the one you should all really be hungry for because that builds others up. Now, you should be, you should be praying in tongues because that's going to build you up. But, this other one's the one you really want to use in the church. He says, you know, knowledge, the gift of knowledge, the gift of wisdom, the gift of teaching. He goes, here's the ones you really, now why does he say that? Because when those words are said, you can understand it, you can get it, it can change your life and strengthen you. So that's, this is what he's boiling down to here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He says, if you desire tongues, pray that you may interpret in the church. Otherwise, the spirit prays, but the mind is unfruitful. Yeah, your spirit's praying all right. You may be praying all right, but the mind of those who hear it, your own, it's, it's just not fruitful. That's what Paul's saying to us. So what shall we do? Should we dismiss praying with, with the spirit? By no means. Paul isn't throwing anything out here. Listen, this is what he says. I will pray with my spirit. I will pray with my spirit. He's saying, I'm going to pray by the, through my spirit as the spirit leads me in prayer. Look, this is a very, it's a very simple thing. The spirit moves on us, and we feel and sense and understand the spirit's moving on us, 
and we learn to just release that and to pray as the Spirit leads us. And, and, and it's a simple thing that God wants to do in us. And he says, I'm going to do that. I am going to pray with the Spirit. Now he goes on to say, I will pray with my mind also. I will also pray my understanding. I will see things, know things, understand things, and I will lift them up and pray before God. He says, I'm going to do both of those. And then he gives us this tremendous insight. Just a tremendous insight. This is what he says. I will sing with my spirit. Not only will I pray this way, I'll sing this way. I'm going to praise God this way. I'm going to worship God this way. I'm going to lift my voice up to God this way, and I will pray with my, I will sing with my mind also. And my mind, with my mind, I'll, I, I, will, I will think of the greatness of God and the majesty of God and the beauty of God and the wonder of God, and I will worship and praise God and sing to Him with my mind also. Now, this is where we really come down to this understanding of believer services, of services where we get together and it's, it's a bunch of Christians getting together. And we have the freedom inside of the family of God to pray with the Spirit together, to sing from the Spirit together, to pray with our understanding together, to sing with our understanding together, and to just be free as one body filled with the Spirit and being used with the Spirit. But as we'll talk really more clearly even next week, he says, listen, if there's unbelievers there, don't do that. He says, don't, don't, if there's a bunch of unbelievers around you, they're just going to think you're, they're just going to think you lost your mind. They don't get that. You may have come from a teaching background where that's what they told you, and you're struggling tonight. You say, Pastor, I love you. You're a good guy, but wow. Really? Yeah, really. Really. Uh, again, what we said a couple of months ago, when you get to heaven, how are you going to talk to David? Do you know ancient Hebrew? If you know modern Hebrew, you don't know what David talked. You know, do you know ancient Hebrew? How are we going to talk to believers from around the world? Because God is going to take what he confused at Babel, he's going to take in heaven and straighten it all out. You're going to know it and understand it's going to be great. Amen? In an instant, in a moment, twinkling of an eye. I don't know what language it's going to be. It's going to be a heavenly one. He says, now, if you pray in tongues and anyone comes in, how are they moved by that? The believer and the unbeliever. You may be glorifying God, but the other person is not built up. Here's the deal. Building others up is the whole purpose of spiritual gifts. It's not about me saying, oh, I'm a prophet or oh, you know, I, I'm a healer. Oh, I'm, a, I'm this, that, or the other. No, it's not about, it's about us being a servant. The call is for us to serve. Whatever we're given, we are given to serve. We are given to build others up. We're not given to get glory for ourselves, to put our pictures on the front of magazines. We're given to glorify God. May we be forgotten and Jesus be glorified. Amen? So whenever you think about spiritual gifts, it's about building others up. And if you see somebody using spiritual gifts or saying they're using spiritual gifts, but it's all about drawing attention to themselves, I would just tell you, run away. Run away. Oh, but they're being used so mightily. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Devil let some things go just to let there be a big fall. Just be careful. Because a true Christian isn't about building himself up. The true Christian is about building up Jesus. Amen?
Now, in verse 18, he gives us the word to show his support for praying the Spirit. He says this, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Now, folks, I just got to tell you, I mean, if you, if, you're, if you come from a background where they've taught you that tongues is for the past, they've really got to jump over a lot of stuff in 1 Corinthians 14. They, they got to just ignore a lot of stuff in here to get there. You know, Paul himself said, I, thank God I pray in tongues more than all of you. Listen, I want you all to do this. I, this edifies you. It builds you up. If it edifies and builds us up, why did God take it away from us? Why did he have it in his word for us to even see it? Why didn't he just say, listen, I did this thing, and it was for the early day. Why didn't he say that clearly in his word? He didn't say that in his word at all. He says just the opposite. I want all of you to have this. Verse 19, he gets right in the face, though, of traditional Pentecostals. It's right in our face. He says, in the church, though, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct than 10,000 words in tongues. Here's what's happened in tradition. Somebody's spirit-filled, and they think they're really spirit-filled, and they want to speak. And they think that because they're down, you know, someplace, and they're making a lot of noise, and they're speaking in tongues, that everybody's looking at them and going, Oh, they are so spiritual. Doesn't that bless you? That really blesses me. And maybe there's a few, you know, Christians who feel that way. But there's a whole lot of people going, what are they doing? Now, if you're in a predominantly a believer service, everybody knows what they're doing. But if you're bringing somebody who doesn't know anything about it, they're just going, what in the world? Is somebody going to help that woman? Is somebody going to help that guy? Something's wrong with him. Somebody help him. He says it really clearly. Listen, I, I'd rather speak five words that you understand. I'd rather, just give me five words to say. I'd rather say that than 10,000 words that you're not going to understand. Now, that's hard for some of us. That's a tough word. Paul is being corrective to the abuse, but he is being balanced with the truth. Boy, that's hard. He's being corrective with the truth, with, the, with the, the abuse, and balanced with the truth. He's not throwing everything out. He's not pitching it all out. He's not saying, oh, this is all bad. You shouldn't do No. He's saying, listen, there's something really important here for you to have, but let's bring it back to balance and the truth. Let's understand how this works among us. Are you getting this? Now, next week, we're going to look at a passage that uh, can really be confusing. And, and I'm going to show you, as we, as we talked about these things this week, exactly how we need to see it and understand it so that we won't be confused by it. Because it seems like he just flips this thing on, a, on the dime right in the middle of this passage and then flips it right back again. But he's, he's really being clear to us about certain gifts and certain things in our life that they would have understood and that we should understand. All right. Let's stand together. Let's come down around the altar together tonight for just a couple minutes and we'll go home. First of all, any questions tonight? that somebody might have that you want to ask that we've been talking about this stuff. And Any questions? All right, anybody? Any, yeah. Well, fortune telling, uh, we're talking about the difference between fortune telling God giving us a prophetic word. Uh, anything that goes outside of scriptural direction in these realms of uh, powers moving on us. Powers moving on us are just, I'm, I want to tell you, they're not games. They, oh, they, they, they may come across as games, but they open the door to, to the demonic. You know, I, I, years ago, I remember hearing, when I was a kid, hearing a teaching on this, and I'd get up every morning and I would read the comics. That's what I read every morning. 
Uh, and I would re- and, and in the comics was the horoscope every morning, and I would read it every morning. And I remember hearing and teaching on this and th- thinking, I'm not doing that ever again. I'm not doing that ever again. And I just stopped. Because anything that begins to talk about pro- prophet, prophetic words in our life, words about a future, uh, going to a seance or playing with a Ouija board or doing any of that stuff, I just want to tell you, it opens, it can open the door to the demonic. And you just don't, you just don't want to be a part of it. I would just tell you, if you got that in your house, get rid of it, throw it out. You may, maybe God in your innocence has protected you. Thank God for that. Uh, going to somebody to get your fortune told? No, 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 no. Just, you know, forget it. Don't need it. Let God speak to you. Don't replace God's role in our life. It's just like people when they tell me, uh, you know, a pastor, I, I, I had a guy tell me once, he goes, I, I, I've got to have a glass of whiskey every day when I get home to calm my nerves. <laughs> and I just looked at him and said, you know, what's the role of the Holy Spirit in your life? I, I don't think him having a glass of whiskey is going to send him to hell. You know, I, I think it could cause a lot of hell. <laughs> but if you're using it to do what the Holy Spirit's supposed to do, you got a problem. That's supposed to be, that's the, that's the, giving me peace is the Holy Spirit's job. Comforting me is the Holy Spirit's job. When I start to lean on anything else to do that, i got, I got issues. Uh, so just saying, be careful. Okay, anybody else? Did I confuse you really thoroughly here with that? Anybody have a word they want to share with us tonight? Something encouraging you want to share? Here's your chance. A bunch of believers standing around here. You got something God's laid on your heart this week. You can share it. Be kind to each other. You never know what somebody else is going through. Like walk in unity. Not to be so judgmental. Be kind. Absolutely. Yeah, if you, as Bob just said, if you want to be encouraged, come watch these kids at VBS. It's, you know, we're, we're trying to plant the Word of God in their heart in a fun way. Uh, you know, we, we, want, we want church to be fun for kids. Now, listen, this Sunday, uh, in both services, these kids are going to sing, and you know, I want to encourage you to come and just cheer for them. I mean, just, just celebrate with them. In the first service... Uh, we're going to have, I don't know, maybe 10 union heads uh, with us this Sunday, guys who are leaders of their specific unions. These are all unions who in the last couple of weeks have pitched in thousands of dollars to help us get the sidewalks and stuff put in for the soccer fields back in the back. And we're just going to say thank you to them for being willing to do that. Uh, to take some of their money and to put that in to help kids in our community. And let's just be praying that as they come in the door, God moves in their life. Amen? And when you see them afterwards, you know, we'll have them, they'll, they'll be in first service only. So if you see them afterwards and you've been in first service, go up and thank them and tell them how much we appreciate it. Hundreds and hundreds of kids are going to get to use, probably thousands of kids are going to use those soccer fields out there. And, uh, and they, they're helping make it possible and us not have to pay our tithing offering to get it done. And so we want to celebrate with us. Sunday's going to be a fun day. We're going to celebrate some stuff, celebrate what these kids have had, and just be praying for them that this word gets planted deeply in their heart. You know, we have a family that comes to church almost every Sunday. And um, they started coming probably 15, 20 years ago uh, during one of our VBSs. And what had happened is the mom had driven by and she'd been to a VBS we had done when she was a kid. And she said, I want my kids to experience that. Brought her kids to VBS. Didn't know anybody. Volunteered to help. And we had a place where she could help. She helped all week that week. Came to church that Sunday. And their whole family's been coming ever since. They weren't going to church at all. So you never know what God's doing in somebody's life in the middle of all this. And so, uh, and how he rescues people. He loves every one of us and knows just what it takes. 
And so I just want to encourage you to be, when, you're, when you come in here Sunday and there's new people around, somebody you don't know, uh, listen, this is our home. Let's treat it like our home, and let's make sure people who come in for the first time uh, know that they're welcome. Say, so, oh, Pastor, I'm, I'm too bashful to do that. Listen, if, so, if, if somebody came to your house, if, you're, if your husband or wife or, you know, your aunt or your uncle brought somebody over who was, you'd never met before, would you ignore them the whole time they were in your house? No, you go talk to them. You say, well, welcome into my home. I, how do you know Uncle Bob? How do you know Uncle Harry? How do you know my son? How do you know my daughter? Tell me about yourself. Hey, glad you're here. Can I get anything for you? That, that's all you got to just make. It's, it's home. Treat it like somebody. You don't, I had, we, have we ever met? Have you been? And here's the question you ask. Have you been coming here long? Because you, you will certainly say to somebody, is this your first Sunday? And they'll say, I've been coming here for 10 years. That will certainly happen to you. So don't say that. Just ask them how long have they been coming. And uh, if they're new, make sure they meet some people. Make sure they meet one of the pastors, one of us that are around. Encourage them to fill out one of the cards and, uh, and help us. Amen. Anybody else got a word? Father, I just pray uh, that we would sit here tonight and understand that we need to be people who are using your gifts. And your word tells us we should long for this gift of prophecy that would encourage others. And, Father, we know that sometimes that's a very public thing, like in a setting like this. And sometimes it's a one-on-one thing. Sometimes it's out in the hallway. Sometimes it's out in the parking lot. Sometimes it's out in our community. Help us to be bold, wise, filled with your Spirit to be used of you. Now, Lord, there are people here tonight who, uh, who have believed and have ex- exercised a prayer life for many, many years. And I just pray it will become richer and richer for them. And, Father, there's undoubtedly some here who've never been filled with your Spirit, never baptized in the Spirit. And I just pray that, Father, uh, some night they would get along with you and their heart would just be open to you and you would do a work in them that would last a lifetime and edify them for a lifetime. Father, we're not going to beat anybody over the head. We're not going to shout in anybody's ear. We're not going to hold them, you know, down for a half an hour. We're just praying for you to do your work in their lives. And and we just pray you do it richly, powerfully, wonderfully, transformationally in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Go in the name of the Lord.